The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the 06010. Welcome in to the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Second one from the combine field. It's Matthew Barry, Stefania Bell here. And of course, like Stefania has upgraded hotel rooms since yesterday. Like, how is it possible to go from penthouse to whatever this? Well, and I don't know. Did you, did you see the note? Because there's a note. We when we came into the after we got through security and we used the special black card to get up to the special secret floor. Seriously, there's a note, um, and it says, "I left you extra towels as you requested. Enjoy your stay. Your housekeeper today was Patrice." Now, so, a, lot a, lot lot of questions. Questions. a lot of questions. A lot of questions. A lot, lot to unpack there. Lot to unpack there. So the first one, I guess, is I'll direct this to Starfania Bell. <laughs> You're in a, a luxury suite here. You are staying by yourself. Just want to be clear about that. It is only <laughs> you, you in this room. And what do you need extra towels for? It's there are plenty of towels in there. Well, you're seeing them because there's extra. Right, but you didn't need extra. Like, are you I saying did. this this hotel skimps on its towels? No, it's just I always ask for extra towels because sometimes I like to go work out in the middle of the day, and then mm. I would shower again because I'm, I'm I appreciate cleanliness and hygiene. Serious so question: are, are you a one time towel user at home? Sometimes. Wow. Okay. It depends. All right. So multiple towels. Any other questions yeah. here, Matthew? No, I'm just I'm but just also curious. The like, towel is my, still wet. my question you, would be, why are you uh, filming? I'm, like, I'm Instagramming are, here no, right now. Oh, great! He's filming it's great me the way lounging. she's literally lounging, lounging on, on the bed rather well, than being. Well, so, that's because I've been working so hard all day that I want to lie down. I would actually like to recline and go to sleep, but instead, I'm talking to meanwhile, you. Meanwhile, I just I just would like to ask a question of like, uh, um, uh, Field and Daniel, like. Because I've been running around like crazy. I literally haven't oh, eaten yes, today. Oh, yes, running. I no, have, no, I haven't oh. eaten anything today. And so I'm just curious, like, have you ever – wouldn't it be nice to have a job where you had time in the middle of the day just to work out and, and shower <laughs> and use extra towels? Like, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm lucky if I have enough time to, like, shove a couple of French fries down my throat and go to the bathroom. I like, feel like asking about you and budgeting time for a workout is that really, like, the wrong tree to Maybe Maybe not my strong suit there. That's fair. Working at ESPN for 12 years and never been the best comedy of the podcast. Fair. Having a free hour in the middle of the day just uh, to do anything. That's in, all fair, I'm in fairness, I have not been to the gym since I arrived in right. Naples, which is a sign. No, I, I just I, believe I that that actually makes me function better. I had a lot of interviews to do. I had a lot of running around to catch up with people. I had to catch up with a couple of the prospects. You know, they're young and they're athletic, so you got to be able to move quickly. I needed to get my workout in so I could be prepared for my version of the combine. Well, speaking of your version of the combine, Stefania has an interview she's going to jump off to in just a little bit here. So we're going to start with a couple of pieces of news that are tied to players who had notable injuries, or perhaps not injuries, late last season. Let's begin in Los Angeles, where Rams GM Les Snead did a nice job building that roster, uh, spoke with Matthew, and specifically, of course, maybe the elephant in the room, Todd Gurley and his health came up. You sort of made news earlier today at your press conference, so I want to sort of talk about this, because Coach McVay, I think, 
I don't want to say he disagreed with you, but it seemed slightly different. So clarification on Todd Gurley, obviously. That's a big question for fantasy players, that kind of stuff. I think the phrase you sort of used was a a robin to his Batman, if you will, try to limit his workload. I think Sean had sort of indicated that he felt like that, uh, you know, that Todd's earned his right to be the lead dog, obviously, and his production speaks for itself. So I'm curious if you could clarify a little bit of how you see the running back role going into 2019 for the Rams. I think it, I think what we have to determine is is it best for Todd and and we haven't determined that yet in terms of keeping him fresh. He's sure. had a lot of carries. So uh we have to determine that internally is it best. Now there's probably three prongs of that. How do how do we handle the off season? Some people think oh do you, you really work hard and things like that, stay in shape, but there is an element of of wear and tear on your joints when you do that. Then it gets to how do you manage them in the season, and then is it getting to a point where, uh, you know, we get to a point similar to what we did this year and lessen the load for Todd so that he can be fresher at the end of the year and, and for seasons to come. That's still to be determined, and, and we're going to try to figure it out, but that's the calculus equation. All right, so I'll just say this. I have a hard time envisioning the Rams paying Todd Gurley $15 million a year right. and making him part of a committee. That being said, I think what Although I told— in fairness, to find is part of a committee right here. I mean, and she makes that kind of money, so <laughs> just, I mean, it's just something to think about. You're making Bryce Harper money, so yeah. let's, you can't really complain. <laughs> you can't really look at—you can't make jokes about $15 million I a can, year. Uh, come on, stop it. However, what I will say is this, and we'll get to the medical side of this in just a moment here, but— I think that the Rams may have realized that like slow playing things just a little bit for Todd Gurley between weeks one and 14 when he was the guy unto himself last year for the Rams, like might have long-term value. So the, the, the same situation does not rear itself if they are again playing until early February next year. Like just a little bit less Todd Gurley, a little bit more of whoever the backup running back is. Not that Todd won't be the feature, the focal point, but you really can't pay him $15 million and then be like, yep, yeah, splitting reps, like, well, and also, by the way, so less usage, but, you know, it's it's all in what the less usage is because Todd Gurley is still getting 17 touches a game as opposed to 22. Right. And he's still being used in the red zone as much as he is. Like, you'll still take – so he scores 17 touchdowns instead of 19 or whatever? Like, right. I mean, right. So I thought the interesting thing – so it feels like, right, they want to be smart. The Rams are playing – you know, in their ideal world, it's a 20 game season, right? Or a 21 game season, something like that for them. Um, and they're going to, you know, and he's their franchise back. And there's a lot of conversation about how it's not just this past year, but a ton of carries throughout his NFL career. This is a guy that, you know, had an injury in Georgia, Stefania. And news came out today where they, where Coach McVeigh said, he is not scheduled to have surgery, and I'm curious your reactions and your thoughts on Todd Gurley, which is, I'm sure, a subject that's going to be coming up a lot for you this summer. I think it was really important that he said what he said this morning because we heard that Todd Gurley was healthy in those final games, but there were questions about whether that was in fact true because he was utilized so little. Todd Gurley blamed himself. Um, was it the championship game, the NFC championship, where he said he wasn't playing well and and you know, that that was on him. But in the Super Bowl, we still saw his utilization be much less than what you expected. So it would be natural to wonder, since the end of the regular season, his knee was bothering him, was there really something? And one of the things people would look out for is, after the Super Bowl, would he have a procedure, which would then speak to the fact that his knee wasn't 100% healthy. And if that were to have happened, let's just 
say if it were to have happened that he would have undergone a procedure, uh, I think the league would have taken a close look at that sure. because the Rams did not list him on the injury report. They said he was healthy. And I think this proves that they were telling the truth. In other words, there wasn't some secret thing going on that they were going to have to address in the postseason. That being said, no procedure, you know, he's healthy, et cetera. It doesn't mean that he didn't have some wear and tear component on his knee. It right. was obviously affecting him at one point late in the season. This is a guy who had an ACL reconstruction coming into the draft. I remember it was big news at the combine that year. And he has managed to do quite well and has not had any setbacks until now. But I think the volume of work, this goes back to what Field was speaking to originally, the volume of work is probably a contributing factor to why he had issues at the end of the season. And I would not be surprised if going forward, they made an adjustment early on to be able to extend him so that he could play into February. Very quickly. How do you feel about Todd Gurley today after hearing, hearing Les's comments and hearing him and coach McVay at the podium today and Stefania, I know you've talked to a bunch of people as well. How do you guys feel about Todd today? If I had pick one in the upcoming draft, yep. He would not be part of my three-person consideration for it. Three-person. So yeah. I'm assuming Barkley and Zeke are two yeah. of those three. Right. McCaffrey is three? With Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Yep. That'd be my, those would be my, my, my trio right now that I'm interested that I'm most locked in on. Wow. How about you, Stefania? Yeah. I mean, I, would, I, would, I can understand going with the youth movement. I don't know. Um, I don't know that I would put him out of my top three. He'd be right around number three. Obviously... The way the season ended would be a little bit of a concern. But I think another comment that was very interesting from Les Need was the off-season work. Right. Because it, it, everything is telling you they need him fresh when he comes in. And they really believe that if he is fresh, he'll be fine. But once you see this little hiccup, uh, you, you can't ignore it. It's right. part of his history. Um, I'm, I'm with, more with you, Stefania. So I have Gurley at three. I have Barkley and, and Zeke. I have McCaffrey at four, and we can talk about that later. But interesting, Ron Rivera did say on the podium today as well that, uh, they want to bring in another back to, again, also try to lighten McCaffrey's load. You know, one of the reasons he, he was, he's a very talented player, and Norv Turner did a great job in getting into space, but also just the usage for McCaffrey last year was insane. Do you, do you feel like if, if Todd Gurley goes from, let's say, 22, on average, I don't understand that, yeah. 22 touches a year, uh, a game to 17 touches a game, that those touches are going to come from the third down role as a pass catching back? Like, do you see any of that? Like, where are those touches going to come from? Is there a pass catching back on that team? Not at the moment. I mean, it depends on whether they bring back C.J. Anderson. One of the things we talked about with Les when you listen to the interview and the other, because we're going to have a podcast that's going to have the full audio of all these interviews that we did, that myself, Stefania, and Field all did with general managers and coaches and and uh, and doctors and physicians and everyone. But um, So you, you should listen to the full interview. But I will say is that I, I, one thing I brought up is no one's talking about Malcolm Brown. And they like Malcolm Brown a lot. He was doing really well last year before he went injured. The whole reason they signed C.J. Anderson was because of Malcolm Brown. And so, you know, it would be interesting to see whether C.J. Anderson comes back. And uh, they, they have full confidence that Malcolm Brown should be ready to go when the season starts. Speaking of health of running backs, Darius Geis for the Redskins, probably the most notable preseason injury in the NFL last year, was primed to play a major role for them. Of course, Torres ACL and Stefania, this has not been your run-of-the-mill recovery from an ACL injury. Yeah, Darius Geis had an infection post-operatively. These things can happen. It's why you sign the, the waiver when you go into surgery that 
talks about all the things that are possible outcomes and, and infection is one of them. Um, I think originally people just assumed this happened at the Redskins facility. Uh, it, these things can happen anywhere. Let me be very clear. This is not a, a fault or a finger pointing issue, but just for clarification of fact, Darius Geis had his surgery down done in Pensacola by Dr. James Andrews and uh, was the follow-up for the infection, et cetera, was subsequently taken care of down in Florida. And now he appears to be well past that and doing well. The good news is that even after something like this, uh, you can make up time. So uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to be way behind. It certainly put the start of his rehab behind. It certainly made it more difficult for him to catch up, if you will, from some of the early things where it's really important to get your range of motion, your quad strength, et cetera. But we won't really know until we get a little bit closer to training camp activities, et cetera, if he appears to be on track. Well, earlier today, I spoke with head coach Jay Gruden. And as you can imagine, as a Redskins fan and as somebody who has Darius Geis on every single one of his dynasty teams, that was a subject that came up. Uh, where is Darius Geis in terms of his recovery? Have you talked to Darius? How's he feeling? Yeah, I talked to Darius a lot, and uh, he's he's doing great. He's young. He's strong. He's got a lot of energy. That's for sure. He's a ball. He's <laughs> yeah. a little firecracker. Uh, but he's he's gonna be fine. He's uh, strong. He's he's posted some things on Instagram. Yep. I'm sure you follow him. I do. I, okay. I do. So, I know, yeah. Darius is going to be fine. And Chris yeah. Thompson, we have Byron Marshall in the house. So my JP Ryan, uh, you know, everybody says in my doghouse, he's going to have another opportunity to make some plays. We have not, uh, lost sight of Samaje on our football team. He's a good running back and uh, can provide us depth. So we're, we're in good shape. Is the expectation is assuming full health though that Darius would, uh, again, this is an, an assumption that Adrian doesn't come back and I know there's conversations. Mm-hmm. Maybe he will, but if Adrian doesn't come back, is the assumption that Assuming full health, Darius is going to be the guy, the workhorse, because it feels like yeah, about you, the good thing about, about Darius is is he doesn't have to come out on third down. Now, what surprises right. the most about him in the uh, off season and training camp was his ability to catch the ball. We yeah. didn't know that at LSU didn't really have a lot of opportunities to catch it. So, uh, watching him catch the ball, run option routes, he's he, he's good at that too. First of all, I got to ask this: like yeah. when you saw Jay, was it right. one of those where like he put his hand out to shake your hand, and you went for a full man hug? Well. I mean, listen, I was busy unbuttoning my shirt at the time, okay. so... No, the first all right. question was, right. you assume he put his hand out to shake his hand. I don't know. I, you guys want to fist bump? No, 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 Matthew no. Germs. I, I have met Jay a number of times. He is uh, he is very familiar with my fanboydom. He is uh, very patient with me. He's a very kind man. And so, uh, yeah, it was great to have a chat uh, with him and appreciate his time. But to me, I think the most interesting thing that he talked about there was, was Darius Geis doesn't need to come off the field on third down. We've talked about this a little bit, that, and I've said this on Twitter before, that Darius Geis is a much better pass catcher than people give him credit for, as Jay referenced. They didn't really use him that way at LSU, but he has that skill set, and so that suddenly becomes kind of interesting. It does become kind of interesting. The thing that's odd, not odd for him, but it's, it's sort of like the, the juxtaposition is this. He has the ability to play on third down, but if he's coming off of a major knee injury when he had an infection, can we reasonably expect him to be an every down back, Stefania? I, I just, I think it's a leap to say that right now. I can't say that he won't become that, but I really, really want us to, wait till we get to preseason. You're going to hear me say this again. It's going to be the activity in training camp. What's the progression? Because remember, even a guy who had a normal pathway post-ACL, early on 
could still hit a bump in the road when you're getting back to football activity. Is this understanding that it's February and it's way too early, but like would Darius Geis be your Dalvin Cook of 2018 where you were saying, I'm concerned, I'm concerned, everyone doesn't, not everyone else is taking this as seriously as I feel like I would. I, I may not draft this person. Like do you right now, would Darius Geis be that person for you? I'm going to be concerned, more concerned than I was about Dalvin Cook because of the particular history with Darius Geis. And then that being said, if they're talking about he's going to be this every down back, I I would point to Dalvin Cook as the example of doing too much too soon. I literally just watched Matthew break out into a cold sweat as you were explaining all of those things. Well, you know, and it's interesting. And Coach Gruden talked about that a little bit about, you know, like he'd like to have Adrian back. We'll see how that all works out, the business of the NFL. But just, you know, and he made a, a you know, reference to the fact, obviously, the Redskins have had tons of injuries the last two years. And so given sort of the luck that the team has had, more depth at every position, especially when it's crucial at running back, will be helpful. But uh, Darius Geis is somebody whose ADP, I think, will be all over the place. No question, because like I don't know how he could possibly rank him with any level of confidence until you see him back on a football field. Right, right. But like in theory, right? Like you could talk. Hey, like you could talk yourself into him. Like, hey, let's assume Peterson doesn't sign. He'd be a top three down back. back yeah, like tons of volume, especially because they got questions at the quarterback position. And you think about you know Adrian Peterson, who was like eighth in rushing yards last year. Like, could guys have that kind of season? But then on the other hand, you're right. The concerns of like bringing Chris Thompson in on third down and. You know, just the inefficiency of that offense and coming off of major surgery, as Stefania referenced. So that is somebody who I think his ADP will fluctuate wildly throughout August. Yeah, I agree on that. We'll see whether he plays at all during the preseason. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to Stefania because she has to go do more work. I can't believe this is happening. Is it time for her workout? I'm sorry. I, in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> she she's got her extra towels. So she's like, I'm going to go work out now. Excuse <laughs> me. I have, a, I have an interview with Spa Day. Um, some she, folks you have an interview who, with a bench one press? of the, some people who <laughs> were involved with one of the teams that was in the Super Bowl. I won't say which one. And so you'll pardon my leaving early, but the here's, what, here's what I the can't Vikings. really believe is how am I leaving the three of you in my room? Yeah. While I go down. Who wants to try on her clothes first? <laughs> Best decision okay. ever. All right, Matthew. Leave All right. You know what? I guess it's me. You Open that drawer. Everybody, all the, the audience is going to report back to me. They're going to let me know. Yeah. Because they, they'll know if you guys misbehaved. When I will. I, I have to be honest with you, Stefania. You are a trooper in this sense. Because I would not let, I would not leave you guys alone in my room. No Absolutely way. not. I uh, absolutely would not. So. To be fair. We wouldn't go to your room. <laughs> That's accurate. Also a good point. Well, also, fair, yeah. also a fair point. All right, very, so, very true. Uh, moving along to running backs who aren't injured. Well, actually, he was injured this past year. But there's some uncertainty surrounding his status. Whether he'll actually play or not. Matthew had the chance to catch up with Greg Olson, not the Panthers' tight end, but rather the Raiders' offensive coordinator who discussed the possibility of Marshawn Lynch returning. The expectation is is that Marshawn Lynch is done playing, but of course with Marshawn, you never know. Is there a, is there a chance that Marshawn Lynch is back in the silver and black? I think there certainly is. Uh, he still has something left in the tank. Uh, you know, it was an unfortunate injury that he had last year that, that otherwise he was, he was playing as probably as well as he had played in the last five years. So, oh, sure. uh, we still think that there's a, uh, a year or two left in his legs. Um, and he's, he's excited about being part of the program and part of the resurrection in Oakland. And, uh, we're, you know, if we want, if we feel like he can still, still play and, uh, he wants to play, then we'll certainly welcome him back. You know, the minute that it became clear that the Raiders might be back in Oakland next year, my first thought was, 
Marshawn Lynch actually has a chance to return to the NFL. It'd be a good thing. Right. The numbers tell you that it wasn't an amazing year for Marshawn Lynch, but obviously not a lot went well offensively in Oakland last year. I will say the eye test, though, tells you that he looked like Marshawn Lynch to sure. me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would say in, in, in doses, in small doses, yeah. yes. Uh, the Raiders have no like workhorse running back under contract for next year that I'm totally jazzed about. But if Marshall Lynch returned, there's a good feel, there's a feel good story there. And you know, like he plays inspired when he's playing at home. I know that's like a silly thing to lean on too much, sure. but like he is playing in front of the Oakland fans is different than almost any other player playing in front of a home crowd. There's no question about that. Doug Martin's also a free agent. We talked about that later in the interview. You know, and they like Jalen Richard, but only in that third down passing, right, passing, passing back, back yeah. role. So, you know, it's interesting. It could be Marshawn, it could be Martin, it could be a committee, or it could be somebody that isn't on the roster right now. Could you see Adrian Peterson going there? You know, could Le'Veon you, could you Bell, see Le'Veon uh-huh. Bell? They got money. Um, got could, money. Could you, could know. you see them, you know, or obviously they have a lot of draft capital as well. So it'll be interesting to sort of play out field. I guess my other question here is on the Raiders is in terms of offensive production, is this an, is this an opportunity because people are, ah, the Raiders, whatever. And you're just like, it's such a wasteland. Is there going to be some fantasy value to be had later in drafts once they've sort of settled again? They've got a lot of cap space. I believe they have a decent amount of cap space and they certainly have a lot of picks. You know, it was like resurgent weirdly and quietly at the end of last season was Jordan Nelson. Yeah. So to your point that like maybe somebody emerges other than Jared Cook, who was really the only viable starter week to week for Oakland last year, much to Matthew's chagrin, like maybe there is some value. I'm not the, the problem here, Matthew, is that I don't know that. And obviously a lot can change between now and August when people are drafting. But right now, like if I had to throw a dart on a Raider, given that Marshall Lynch is under contract, Doug Martin's under the contract. I don't know. Jared who that Cook's would be. not under contract. Jared Cook's under contract. I don't know who that would be as a late-round flyer, but you're right. There could be something there. Well, it's interesting because I actually, later in the interview, and you, again, you should listen to the, the whole interview. Yes. Uh, but I actually asked um, I actually asked Greg to give me a sleeper, and he mentioned... You, Marcel Aitman, right? No, no, he mentioned Darren... Oh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller, Waller tight end yeah. that they picked up from the Ravens last sure. year. He yep. was really... He, he was impressed with him, thought that was really good. Uh, you can hear the full comments uh, later, or maybe Secret Squirrel will paste them in later. Who knows? But yep. um, the fact of the matter is, is that was a guy that's – and certainly given the success they had with the tight end position, if Jared Cook doesn't come back, Waller is certainly a name to keep on your radar for later in draft. Waller, who's dealt with a long suspension in the past, uh, picked up – I think he was signed initially off of the Ravens practice squad. So interesting player, big guy, played at Georgia Tech, uh, previously a wide receiver. Uh, back to running backs. A lot of the conversation with these people around here in Indianapolis surrounds running backs. And uh, Lions GM Bob Quinn, who, again, same thing here. Like, Daniel had to decide, do I go out for the bro hog? Do I go for the, the handshake? Right, yeah. Do you guys have a secret handshake? What was exciting was that we were – thanks to ESPN Legal, we were able to get rid of that uh, restraining order. That was really that nice. Was that was nice. That was we very were, polite. We were thinking that we were able to do the interview but yeah. luckily we were able to work through that and he was with able to, he was able to for a limited amount of time be within 15 feet of Bob Quinn and Bob Quinn spoke about carry on Johnson the second round pick of the Lions last year can he be a bell cow are you guys always sort of thinking like hey the ideal fit is a guy that's not necessarily carrying it 30 times a game by himself yeah I think nowadays with the um with the season being so long and training camps being so long there's probably a 
three or four, maybe five running backs in the entire league that you're comfortable, you know, calling that, you know, someone asked me a question in the press conference about being a bell cow. Yeah. Like, I don't really, you know, believe in that unless you have really a special guy that's really built to last. And there's only a handful of those guys really walking around uh, in the NFL nowadays. So, um, you know, we love carry on. He did a great job as a rookie when he was healthy, had a knee thing that he kind of worked through. And, you know, right now I know he's hundred percent kind of working out at Auburn as we speak. So, um, you know, we want to find someone that can complement that. You know what? We got Theo Riddick kind of in our sub third down type package, but, um, you know, I think, you know, over a course of 16 games and hopefully the playoffs, you're going to need more than just one running back. So I think that's the way, you know, we always look at things. And, um, I think the majority of the league, if you look across the rosters and the stats of each team, like, you know, there's two guys that are carrying the ball and then it's usually a third down guy. Matthew, interesting. Basically what he said was, you know, last year there was this narrative and I talked about this with Bob later on in the interview that like every, Lions fan wanting carry on Johnson to get like 25 touches a game. Right. They always asking for it. Free carry on. I'm not sure that we're going to see that though. I don't think you are. And it's interesting because Daryl Bevel, their new offensive coordinator, has throughout his NFL career yep. been a very run heavy kind of guy, you know? And so it's sort of interesting, like, you know, when, when that announcement made, you know, sort of the reaction on Twitter of myself and a number of people in the fantasy industry was, this would be very good for carry on Johnson. And so, you know, um, if he's not getting the volume, that's going to be disappointing. But I have to think he's such a good pass catcher that they find different ways. And so it's not necessarily about the volume, but about the quality of the touches that he gets. But certainly I think that caps the upside on carry on Johnson, who's going to be more kind of, you know, we use this phrase a lot, but it is, it's going to be more lower end RB2 than, yeah. than, you know, True RB1. Talented guy. And we'll see whether or not they add some sort of hammerhead back. Because LeGarrette Blunt was that idea last year. But LeGarrette Blunt, obviously, like that, that cliff came for LeGarrette. Yeah. Like it just did. He played well in New England, obviously, a couple of years ago. He played well for the Eagles, winning a Super Bowl there. And then it just... They'll right find off. they'll find some guy like that. Plenty of value later on in the draft oh. to find running backs there. But this offense will be interesting. I've talked a little bit about the tight end there, and uh, just uh, as you said, Matthew, coordinator change is big for them. They got to sort of find their stride because they made a big change midseason. It wasn't that they were adding somebody; they were trading somebody away in Golden Tate. That all of a sudden, like I know things did not fall apart, but things are different when you lose your most productive wide receiver, and it's it's a it's an important offseason for that offense. I wasn't. I agree with you there. I, I wasn't there for the interviews. So just quick question. Did Daniel cry during it? What happened? He took wow. his shirt off, which wasn't, which was sort of weird. That, that is makes sense. Actually, that's actually, actually correct. That, that yeah. really did, did happen. Take his, did yeah. actually take his shirt off. But it will be interesting to see. And I think the lines are going to be actually, you know, no jokes to Daniel, but the lines are actually going to be a really interesting fantasy team to sort of break down because, again, with a different coordinator, you'd be excited about Kenny Galladay and sort of really being, you know, a borderline wide receiver one, but. I don't know how much confidence you can have in him and Jones getting enough targets to really be more than sort of flex plays in a very run-heavy offense. Bob did talk about Kenny Galladay. I encourage people to listen to the full sound there. And, you know, a player they like, a lot of promise there. I asked him sure. about, the, about the Baby Trout nickname. He was aware of it, but I think the problem is that when you've got Calvin Johnson as the reference point, he does, out of respect for Calvin, he's like, right. I don't want to just, like, be anointing people as the next, you know, the second coming of, like, an all-time great wide receiver of course. For franchise. Fair um, enough. Let's move along here to, I believe, one more piece of sound, Daniel. Is that correct? That is accurate, yeah. Uh, we have Chargers GM Tom Telesco talking about Mike Williams, who player who had 10 touchdowns in his second pro season. Mike Williams, a couple years ago, was one of the big storylines, medically speaking, obviously had some injuries at Clemson. And then early on in his career, 10 touchdowns last year. 
What now is the trajectory for Mike coming into year three? Is firmly entrenched as a guy opposite of Keenan. Where do you sort of see him and his, his, his progress to this point? Well, I think we saw last year what he can do, and, and we really saw it from the first day of training camp. Yeah. Um, you know, how talented he is and, and, you know, the sky's the limit with Mike. I mean, he had a great year for us this year. Um, we do have a lot of other players that, that get the football as well. We got Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler and obviously the tight end group. So, um, there aren't a ton of footballs to go around, but Mike's a playmaker. He showed that. Um, and what he showed too is he's not just a 50-50 jump ball guy. I mean, he runs very good routes. He's quick. He's fast. And I made some big plays for us this year. Can I ask a question? Please do. Before, yeah. before, and I know you guys are the professionals here. Yeah. But something that really, what do you mean by yeah? I'm agreeing with you. Oh, we okay. Are, you guys are the professionals here. Okay. We yeah. are the professionals here. Yeah. I mean, we are the ones wearing shirts. Yeah. Then, no, that's accurate. That's fair. Uh, something that really stood out to me is the fact that he said there aren't a lot of balls to go around. And when you have what I feel like is a number one wide receiver in the offense, you're never like, well, there's a lot of balls to spur around. Like if Austin Eckler and the quote unquote tight end group is taking passes away from Mike Williams, I feel like that, I mean, there's something about that ceiling not being as high as what we would like from a fantasy perspective. So you asked it that way. I was going to ask Matthew if you think that Mike Williams would be a trendy breakout pick this year. I think he will be a trendy breakout pick. But what's weird is, is like, I think, and I, I said this about somebody else, which I forget who I was saying it about, but I feel like Mike Williams could be an act, could actually have a better NFL season next year. Like he could improve as an NFL player and actually have a worse fantasy season. I think that was Michael Gallup you said. We were saying yes, that about Michael Gallup, but yeah. like again, like, do you think, do you think you get 10 touchdowns out of Mike Williams again? Like he had the three right. touchdown game, he ran for one. Same like, thing I mean, with Calvin Ridley we were talking about last yeah, night. Yeah, okay, Calvin right? Ridley, same yeah. thing. I feel the same way about Mike Williams as I do about Calvin Ridley, which is like a very talented player and to the eye test, I get it, but I think a lot of it will depend on Hunter Henry, candidly. If Hunter Henry is ready to go, and there's been some news out there recently that they may re-sign Antonio Gates because they're not sure Henry will be ready at the start of camp, um, uh, or at the start of the season. So it'll be interesting to see, but like a healthy Hunter Henry certainly is a red zone threat that has had success with Philip in the past. Yep. And Tom did talk about Hunter and did sound encouraged by what we saw from him late in the season and, 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 and happy with the progress. Obviously he played again, which was big news there. And I expect Hunter Henry to be basically, uh, a full go by the time the training camp rolls around, even if he's not a full go, which he could very well be by the time we get back to, you know, OTAs and the offseason workout program. Well, I will say that just hearing some, you know, you're here at the, at the combine and you you have a lot of conversations and you're networking and you know you go out for dinners and drinks and that kind of stuff so you hear a bunch of stuff and it's always hard to kind of sift through it but i will say i think the cons- the the feeling that i've gotten from a few people that i've talked to is that the expectation is that Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin won't be back with the Chargers. I don't know as much about Travis Benjamin, but I think Tyrell Williams is a safe bet to not be with the Chargers next year because it's a watered-down wide receiver free agent market, and he might be the best of the bunch. Him, Adam Humphreys, Golden Tate, right? Devin Funches, if you believe in him, those are the kind of names that we're talking about. Jamison Crowder will be a free agent. Case, yeah, you can make the case that Tyrell Williams is as accomplished as any wow. of those guys. None of those sure. names are at Tate. all exciting. Yeah. In Golden the Tate? Well, Golden Tate, sure, but I mean, he's a, as a slot receiver who's predicated sure. on Honestly, stop and go I mean, movements at 31. Which is, by the way, one of the reasons why you would think that, like, Antonio Brown would command, you know, a bigger price on the trade, trade market. A first round pick for him. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and so. Um, so it's sort of interesting there, but I would think, uh, assuming Williams is gone and potentially Benjamin as well, you know, all due respect, I know Gordon Eckler catch balls out of the backfield and, you know, 
I would feel better about Mike Williams' chance at, it's hard to say breakout after a 10-touchdown season, but uh, improving on his fantasy stock from last year. Yeah, weekly consistency is what you're looking for Yeah, because he, he, exactly. You didn't sort of know when to start him, and I think uh, that would be interesting. But one of the problems with the Chargers, of course, is that their defense has been pretty good, and they run the ball effectively. Yeah, they, so they just really well balanced. The volume, yeah. right? The volume hasn't been there for Philip Rivers, where the way that you would need it to support, you know, multiple passing times. But I, I, I think Williams is a. I think he will definitely be a trendy sleeper, um, and yeah. But I, I think he's, you know, he's probably going to be a better NFL player than fantasy asset next year. Would be my argument. Agreed all the way around on that. Like, let's like put a bow on this podcast by just like peeling the curtain back a little bit here. It's four fifteen as we're wrapping this up right now, and right. not to make this like, oh, our job is so difficult. But like the three of us, if we were like an, an iPhone battery right now, we would be red collectively. Right. Like it's just these couple these days wear on you quickly. Like we are. I'm looking at Matthew, who's got this like blank stare in his in his eyes. Like, have you? Are you? You are famished right now. Have you eaten? Today? I, I haven't eaten today. I mean, I I got in late last night. It's got up early. Got up early. Person. Well. No, but you know what happens is, is like, and this is going to sound so humble braggy, but I don't mean it like this. But what happens is, and this happens to you, Field, as well, and happens to Stefania. But happens you know, to Daniel. It doesn't. No, not really. It mostly <laughs> happens to. The, it, it, let's be clear. Happens to. Happens to me. Where you'll see where I'm going. Okay. But in addition to doing our jobs, which is not just performing on the podcast, but it's also going out and saying, "Hey." Uh, Jay Gruden, can we interview you? When can we interview? You know, and that kind of stuff and trying to, cause there's a million media members here and they're all trying to get access to the players, the, you know, the general managers, the coaches and the, the coordinators that we're talking to as well. And so, uh, you're dealing with that. So you're, you're tracking them down. You're also trying to do your job here, which is to network and go to the press conferences and sort of learn stuff. And then also, by the way, in addition to us doing our podcast here, there's a ton of other radio stations, podcasts, TV shows, uh, digital shows, and they'll see us and, you know, they'll say like, hey, Field, can you come do 10 minutes? Hey, Matthew, can you come on? Hey, yep. Stefania, we'd love. So, and you always want to be nice and grateful about that. So, you know, I just, I found myself going from either an interview I was doing or being interviewed, just going back and forth constantly. And you're just, you're walking up and down and I, literally at 4.15, I've yet to have a chance to eat anything today. So we'll get Matthew some food. Yeah, He's we will hungry. get, uh, we'll get me some food here. Uh, Secret scroll, go ahead. Take. Stefania's clothes off. Put it back in the drawer, please. So, yeah, I will. I will certainly do that. I do want to say this really quickly. Uh, coming out next week, so we're gonna. Put, yeah. I'm gonna send out all of the uh, full length interviews like we have talked about. Those yep. are gonna be out for you guys to listen to next week. Matthew, you're writing a column about some of the things you learned from the combine, correct? Yeah, just a bunch of little nuggets that have come up. Some have come up in this podcast, but others I haven't uh, haven't talked about. And, and as a part of that, we are also going to do a podcast where you're going to talk about some of those things. Mike Clay is probably going to come on and talk about some things that he learned as far as watching some of the prospects. Yep. So we will have a podcast next week. Mike for you guys is our to be dynasty to to. guy. Does a great job with all the prospects as well. Yep. And then uh, a combine themed edition of the fantasy show on espn plus absolutely or to all of that 100 percent. any of you guys want to take the cleveland browns to the super bowl over here sure why not yeah sure yeah i mean we're in to find his room Pages might as well seat, huh? bake show baby yeah i think that we had different interpretations for what cleveland browns to the super bowl meant okay i definitely missed that one right <laughs> over my head on that we're back again sometime soon. I'm not sure when. <laughs> Daniel, you should absolutely <laughs> take the Browns to the Super Bowl. You absolutely What'd should. What'd you have for lunch, Daniel? Oh, God. What'd you have for lunch? A couple uh, burritos? A couple burritos, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so great. Welcome back, Stefania. Peace out. <laughs> 
Geico gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that Geico is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you, like your wife when you forget your keys at work. Hey, hon, you get my texts? I am looking for the spare house key. Hmm, maybe I can get through the window. Ah, <laughs> turns out the alarm works. <laughs> Wow, it works fast. You should probably call me back. Geico, always there for you with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents.